Welcome, everybody, to uh, Explain It for the third Sunday of Advent. And uh, Advent itself, the word means coming, and uh, there really are three comings as we enter into this season uh, of Advent. Uh, There is the first Advent, which we celebrate with the birth of Christ, and this is the coming of Christ that was foretold in the Old Testament has finally been fulfilled. As uh, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter 4, he says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. And so that's the first coming, the first advent, advent, and it's fulfilled, and we rejoice in it, and we uh, remember it. The second advent is the one uh, yet to come. It is based on a promise that that one day Jesus will uh, reappear, uh, and we are to be ready for that and to watch for it, uh, to have a spirit of repentance, um, because we are one day closer today uh, to the coming of our salvation, as the scriptures uh, say, uh, than we were yesterday. And so the day is uh, going to come. But there's also this third advent, which is the ongoing uh, coming of Christ to us. And he gives us all of his gifts, and we receive them, especially in, in uh, the divine service, where he comes to us with uh, the sacrament of his body and blood, the forgiveness of sins uh, in the Lord's Supper, and in the hearing of his word in, in baptism, he is continually coming to uh, his his church. So the attitude uh, during these waiting periods has always been the same, whether it's the saints in the Old Testament or, or uh, we who are waiting for Christ to reappear now. Um, and you hear it in the voice of the prophets and in John the Baptist and even in Jesus uh, speaking these words, repent, um, and to and to repent and to acknowledge uh, your need for the Messiah, for Jesus the Christ, to receive the good news of the forgiveness of sins and to hold on to it and to trust it, um, and then when you receive it, to rejoice in it. And then we just repeat that uh, over and over and over again. That is uh, the Christian life. Revelation chapter twenty. To the very uh, last chapter of the scriptures, uh, Jesus himself uh, speaks and then his church uh, responds. And so uh, Revelation twenty two twenty says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. And the bride, the church, uh, responds, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And you could say, uh, Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. In Matthew chapter 11, the gospel for today, John the Baptist uh, has been put in prison, and he is hearing about all the miracles uh, that Jesus is uh, doing. And uh, he sends two of his disciples uh, to ask him, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, it's an interesting question, and uh, the question I have behind that question is, who uh, really is this question for? Are you the one who was to come, who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Is this question for John? You know, he's he's in prison. Is he languishing in despair? Uh, or could this question really be for uh, the followers of John? And John is going to be pointing them to uh, Messiah. 
Now, we know from John, uh, and the scriptures speak about it, that uh, John, um, in the womb, even uh, leaps and uh, proclaims and recognizes uh, the Messiah. And in Luke chapter 1, when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, as soon as the, the voice of Mary is heard, uh, in the house, uh, the text says that John the Baptist leaps in the womb of his mother. Uh, when John sees uh, Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He he points him out. Um, he is sure of it, certain of it. Uh, he is made uh, even more certain of this when he hears the voice from heaven in the baptism of Jesus, and he is told by God that, the one that you see the Spirit descend on and and land upon, that is the, the chosen one, the Messiah. And so he he does see that, and he does hear the voice from heaven. Uh, in speaking of Jesus, he says, well, you know, I am not the groom. I'm the friend of the groom. And uh, the one who comes after me, who is before me, and he surpasses me. And he says, well, he must increase, but I must decrease. So he is the voice of the one in the desert. So Isaiah chapter 40 says, Comfort, comfort my people, uh, says your God, and speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. And John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that. He is the voice of the one calling uh, in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. So um, later in the text in Matthew, uh, after the two disciples leave uh, Jesus with the report about what he has been doing, they go back to John. Uh, Jesus says to the crowd, so what did you go out into the desert to see? Uh, well, you didn't go out there to see a reed swayed by the wind or or someone in fine clothes. He's not in a palace. Uh, a prophet, yes, a messenger sent ahead of you to prepare the way for the Lord. So uh, who is the question for? Um, I'm going to suggest to you that because John's message is so bold and so clear and so revealed to him um, by the Holy Spirit, uh, this message of repent and behold the Lamb of God, and produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That really the question is is not for John, as if uh, he is languishing in despair. He's not a reed swayed by the wind, uh, but rather uh, the question is going to be for the disciples. And specifically, they're going to hear and they're going to see about all the things that Jesus has been doing, these miraculous signs. And John is going to redirect their attention um, away from himself to the one that their focus should be on, to the one that John himself has been declaring and uh, telling them to look, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, there's these miracles uh, that Jesus begins to do after he is baptized uh, by John. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is tempted uh, in the wilderness. Uh, he is then baptized. He begins his ministry. And in Luke 4, it says that he goes to his hometown and goes into the synagogue. And he reads from the prophet Isaiah. We'll talk about that shortly. 
Uh, he has a message with great authority. He begins uh, to express that authority by casting out demons. Uh, he heals Simon's mother-in-law. Others are there, and he begins to heal uh, all those who come to him. In Luke chapter 7, there is the, the healing of the centurion servant and uh, the raising of the son of the widow at Nain. Now, these miracles uh, show that Jesus is the Son of God, that uh, God himself has come in the flesh and he is now among his people, and that this messianic age, the promised uh, time when Messiah would come into the world, has dawned, and that this Messiah has come to destroy the work of the devil and to uh, begin to restore the creation. And so that's all promised by the prophets. One day, the seed of the woman will come and will crush the head, the work of uh, the serpent. That's Genesis chapter 3. John himself, uh, the apostle, says, well, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus uh, says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Later, uh, the apostle says in his first letter, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And so uh, this is a scripture-saturated culture. They understand that morning and evening, they read the scriptures, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6 says that you talk about these things, you know, these promises. Uh, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, um, you talk about these uh, promises, uh, the scriptures, with your, with your family and with your, with your children. And so uh, you see it in John chapter 1 that uh, those who follow after Jesus uh, hear his words, and then they tell others, and they say, well, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also spoke, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Um, Jesus also does this in Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus. He he opens up the entire Old Testament to these two disciples who are walking this road, and he says to them, you know, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And the text says there that Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so this is a scripture-saturated culture. They know the books of Moses. They know the promises of Messiah. They, they know the prophets. They pray the Psalms. And there is these signs of the messianic age that they have been waiting for. And the prophet Isaiah uh, speaks of them very clearly. Uh, Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 61, and Jesus uses this in uh, his message in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, he says, um, quoting the prophet Isaiah, that when the Messiah comes, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him, and he will, he will preach good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, uh, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of God, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve, crown of, give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, uh, oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Um, and so uh, the people of, of God know these passages, 
And so they're not unfamiliar with uh, the signs uh, that will accompany the Messiah coming into their world. Uh, Isaiah 35 specifically says, your God will come. And he will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. And so when Jesus is in the synagogue in um, Luke chapter 4, he takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he reads out loud Isaiah 61. And at the end of the reading, he hands the scroll back And then he sits down and begins to teach, and he uh, begins with this one sentence. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so those around him now see these signs. There are these incredible events that are occurring. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. Um, And this is the context um, of the miracles that the two disciples that are sent by John to Jesus begin to see um, and hear. Now, that's why Jesus says to these disciples, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, you know, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, those who have leprosy are cured, uh, the good news is preached to the poor. This is basically Isaiah chapter 61 being fulfilled. Right before their eyes, all of these promises are being um, uh, fulfilled and point to the coming of Messiah, God in the flesh, in the midst of his people. Now note, uh, if you read the text in Matthew, and specifically in Luke chapter 7, so it's as if almost Jesus says to these messengers, quoting verbatim, but really pointing in real life, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, those who have leprosy are cured. But he seems uh, to leave out freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God. Now, if you're in in prison, right, and John knows what's going to happen to him, if you're in prison and you hear all of these um these messianic signs being fulfilled, but the ones that specifically pertain to your situation are left out. What are you perhaps thinking? No freedom for the captives, in this case literally. No release from the darkness of this prison for John. Uh, Physically, you don't see the year of the Lord's favor. You don't really see the day of vengeance of God upon uh, your enemies. Uh, But John um, is not deterred. Remember, he is the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. But who is perhaps the ones uh, that are having um, great trouble of heart about this? Well, his disciples, his, his followers. And so John points these disciples of his away from himself, away from Uh, his ministry to where it should have been at all times, which was the voice of one calling in the wilderness, pointing to the Messiah, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, for John the Baptist, Jesus could have. Jesus could have proclaimed favor upon him, could have, uh, you know, had this justice and vengeance and released him from darkness, right? Could have. He had been doing these miraculous signs for others, uh, but he didn't. 
Now we might think, well, what what good is that then? You know, for for we who follow Christ. Well, John the Baptist had eyes of faith, and he understood that he would not be deterred in this message of pointing to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and not living for this world, not living for the ministry of a physical kingdom, but rather the kingdom of Christ. Now, John the Baptist is in prison, and Jesus could have. Jesus could have released him from the darkness, but he didn't. Well, Jesus himself could have, but he didn't. Well, he was the Son of God, had all the riches of this world, but in his humiliation, he could have used all of his divine powers and attributes, but he he humbled himself and became uh, a servant. So he could have, but he didn't. He could have come down from the cross. He, he, he chose not to, though, to bear the sins of the world. So he didn't fully always use these divine attributes, but he humbled himself. And he did that for us and for our salvation. But in his exaltation, in his rising from the dead, and his ruling and his reigning, now he has authority over all. And John understood that one day, There would be this great day of the Lord, and that the day that he was living was not the day, but as a prophet, as one pointing to Messiah, he told the people to repent, to behold the Lamb of God, and uh, to produce fruit in this day in keeping with repentance. And so the question really is, uh, not for John, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Really, the question is not for John. I that is settled in his mind. He knows who Jesus is. It's for his disciples, and it's also for us. Always pointing, you know, the attention, the message, our eyes to be focused on the Messiah who was to come, the Messiah who has come, and the Messiah who one day will come. And so the message is always going to be the same. Repent. Acknowledge this sin. Acknowledge why Messiah had to come into this world. And then look, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then, living out of that life, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And we say with the church, as the groom says to us, I am going to come. Indeed, I will come. And we say, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly.